You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. The Lord is wonderful. Hallelujah. Okay, this evening we're going to just um, trust the Lord to give us understanding in the name of Jesus. I know we began to look at um, Acts chapter 2. We can read it as we go on this evening. Acts chapter 2, we read from verse 37 to 40. And I'll read as we go into our meditation this evening. It says, Now when they heard this, all the preaching that Peter had preached, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the nine says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And 40 says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation and that's where we began to see that we have a role in the society and to fulfill that role we must begin by being first of all different different we are called our salvation saves us out if i'm drowning in the water or in the river and i'm saved will i still be in the river no, I will not be in the river. I'll be either on land or inside a boat, isn't it? So when we are saved, we are saved out of the world. And though we are not taken immediately out of the world, if we or as we remain in the world, we are no longer off the world. Praise the Lord. There is something that is remarkably different that has happened to us. And that is why in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus and acknowledge him as a teacher. We know you're a teacher sent from God. We saw that our Lord Jesus did not engage to progress from, you know, what they, the, uh, the, the, the masters, the teachers of the law had taught. He didn't say, let us add to what you have. He said, for what you want to discuss with me, we must start from a beginning. And what did he say? You must, what, be born again, which led Nicodemus to begin to ask, how can I be born again? I'm already old. And then Jesus went for that to say, unless you're born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter. What our Lord Jesus Christ was trying to answer him is that where you're coming from and all that you have known and all that you have mastered cannot help you, cannot, you know, will not even allow you progress in this new kingdom. Your advancement in this new kingdom is determined by your beginning. Praise the Lord. It's important you begin well. And when you begin well, then you can make progress. And that is one key thing we are learning now in this season. That many of us, at the point of our salvation, did not grasp the essence of being different. Being different. If you understand it, it's going to make a lot of things easy for you. I want you to picture yourself. I don't know any, if, do we have anybody here who has a celeb background? But you see, when that child that is born into a select family goes to school on Monday, as he looks at the other children, he tells himself, I am different. You know, 
Why? Because on Sunday, whereas you wear clothes and go to, we will wear white and go what? Barefooted to a place. If that child does not accept the fact of his difference, he will not go to those places with the parents. It's the same thing. And that's why Lord Jesus said, you must what? Be born again. In another place, our Lord Jesus speaking to the Jews, he said to them, I believe that is um, John, John chapter 8, 23. We can look at it. Very important. He said to them, you are from beneath. I am from what? Above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. This is, there are certain things that are required of us in our journey as Christians. That if we don't get the background well, we will struggle with them always. Praise the Lord. If we don't get the background where we're coming from, if we don't get the origin. This is one key. I think we looked at this recently in church here. He said, you are from beneath and what? From above. You see, this will help settle a lot of arguments for those that are under peer pressure. You're in the university, you're in the secondary school, even at the place of work. And everybody's saying, what's wrong with this? Let's do What's wrong with this? The simple answer is this. You are from a different place. I'm sure if you say you're from beneath, somebody might throw a punch at you or slap you. You might not be able to handle that. But just tell them your word. From a different place. I'm from a different place. Jesus said, I am from what? I'm from above. As simple as that. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. As simple as that. You are different. These are the things that are declared to us ab initio. So these are some of the things that you are mind. When we say, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the real mind. You have to tell yourself... As a Christian, I am different. If you need to take that and pray, if you need to take that and confess, you're walking about in the night, in the morning, I am a Christian, I'm different, I'm born again, I'm different, I'm a Christian, I'm different. You're doing that, doing that, until you catch the revelation. It will help you. So that the subsequent issues, when they say do not, or do this. You begin to understand. So when they say don't take bribe. It's not an argument of whether you need the money. Everybody can do with a lot more money. Now I think it was two weeks ago. I mentioned to us here about the Amazon boss. Jeff Bez- Bezos or Bezos. Whatever his name was. You know he's the richest man. Trillions. And that if you began to earn $180,000 a day. From AD. Okay. You would not have earned how much he, he has. But do you know that the man reduced salary of his staff to make more money? <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, money is never enough. So if you are a Christian and your argument of whether you should be corrupt or not, whether you should take bribe or not, is whether you have enough, you will always fail. But if the approach is this, I am not what of this was, it settles it. So the other issues of, you know, the same thing of... Um, you know, the pressures of sex and all of that. It's not whether you feel it. It's not whether it is this. No, you are what? Different, simple. It's, it doesn't work for you. It's not an argument you're going to engage in. You know, like someone has said, it's not the one of my pastor will not, you know, my church said we shouldn't do. It's not, a, it's not negotiable. This is the understanding that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego used to answer the king. They said, you are Babylonians. We are not Babylonians. Simple. Wine is good for you. It's, it's a desire. It's an attainment for you to eat the king's delicacies. But where I'm coming from, we don't eat it. Simple. 
It's not whether the food is more nutritious. The issue is that I am what? Born again. I am different. Praise the Lord. When you catch that revelation at whatever stage, it solves a lot of problems. As a husband, you know, how do you love your wife? I mean, there are some things you should do for your wife that if you were to look at society, you'd be ashamed to say you do it. But you see, when you know you're different, then that thing that will make you ashamed will make you proud because you know that you're becoming like Christ. Christ says, I've done for you. You call me, say, you call me Lord and Master. And you say, well, for that is what I am. Now, Lord and Master, I'm washing your feet. So what can't the husband do for the wife? If Jesus can wash the feet, the creator can wash the feet of death. He's not washing the feet of 20th century people. He's washing the feet of some people who were Jews, who were trekking. Water was not common. When they took their bath, you knew it was Christmas. You know, it was a special event. So you can imagine the feet that Jesus washed. That is the example you have for those who are born again. But if you want to compare yourself with the people who are from this world, you're going to have issues. If you're a boss, the Bible says, our Lord Jesus teaching us, he says the lords of this, you know, of this generation, this is, they lord it over there. You prove your boss by the way you exert over your people. But he said, look at me, learn from me. He says, I have come what? Not to be served, but to serve. So when you know where you come from, it makes everything easy. You know, people say, ah, how can you do this? How can you do this? No, they don't understand. They're looking at you like boss. They're looking at you as empty. But if you look at yourself as a child of God, and if you look at yourself as someone who is learning from Jesus, it becomes easy. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, so this is what we see where he said, come out. Be saved from this perverse generation. And like we established on Sunday, the challenge we have as, you know, as Christians in our time is that we've been told that Christianity is an aid to help us succeed in the world. Christianity is not an aid to help us succeed in the world. Christianity sets us apart from the world and makes us to shine as light in the world. It causes us to be distinct from the world. It has nothing to do with success from the way the world measures it. You see, we have an example in the Bible of someone that we're going to look at today. Who will help us? Moses was a Christian. Let's take it as that. And Moses was where? In the palace. Praise God. And Moses was excelling. The Bible says he was respected by all the Egyptians. It meant that in their you know, uh, military school, he was excellent. In their language school, he was excellent. In their mathematics school, he was excellent. And if he had such a testimony, what remained was for him to what? Reign in Egypt as what? As Pharaoh. That should have been his goal. But the Bible tells us something. If you come to Hebrews 11 verse 26, the Bible says something about Moses, which if we catch as Christians, is going to reconfigure our thinking. This is what he said. Okay, let's read from 23 down, please. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, we're going to get back to that, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God and to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, 26. 26, let's read 26 together. It says what? Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Now, that word in that verse that says treasures in Egypt is not talking about, it's not sand, it's not sand, sand. 
treasures. Egypt was world power. Egypt was the richest kingdom. Up to today, their wealth is being discovered. So when he says he esteems something greater than the treasures in Egypt, he's not telling us, uh, he's not cartoon. There was greatness available for him. Do you understand? But look at what the Bible says. He says esteem. I want you to repeat the word esteem. Esteem means your own judgment. Do you understand? It means your own estimation. It means your own value. It means this is what I say about this. Now, the Christian must be able to look at the things of this world and have his own estimation, valuation of them, his own interpretation. So, the Christian is someone who has come to value things from a totally different worldview. And that is what being different will help you to attain. That is what being a Christian positions you. So the moment you're born again, you stand out, you stand different, you stand off. Praise the Lord. We said here that we have a problem where the blessed Christian is measured as the blessed unbeliever. It must never be so. That is contrary to every doctrine of scripture. The New Testament scripture, it is contrary. When the Bible talks about us, we belong to a kingdom. What kingdom do we belong to? It says the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking. It's not in what we have and what we don't have. It is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is our kingdom. So when we want to share testimony, we should share testimony of what? Righteousness, a testimony of what? Peace, and a testimony of what? Joy in the kingdom. That's what it is. But what have we had over time? We share the same testimony. If you listen to a testimony, you will not be able to tell whether it's a long-reach testimony or it's a a forever living testimony or it's an MMM testimony or it's a, you know, believer's convention testimony or whether it's even a hospital testimony. No, the testimony of the Christian is what God has done in him that cannot be reciprocated by the world. Esteeming. What did he esteem? It was not that Christ gave him some money. What did Christ have? What Christ had then was reproach. When you understand these things, you will triumph over temptations. Because every time temptation is going to try to offer you something in place of a reproach. And then it will make sense if you don't know who you are to follow that. But this is what it says of Moses. Moses esteemed the reproach. He had an option. Become a pharaoh. You know, inherit this kingdom of Egypt or join with the slaves. No future. But that no future is with a qualification. Because that no future is a no future in Egypt. Because the same verse tells us what? For he looked to the reward. So that we don't get the impression that the Christian is being called to nothingness. No. We are being called to lift up our eyes. Praise the Lord. We are being called to see the heavenly treasure. We are being called to see the kingdom that cannot be shaken. We are being called to a life that is, you know, the power of an endless life. If Moses had chosen to remain in Egypt, nobody would know his name today. He would have reigned maybe as a pharaoh. Maybe we would be able to find his body embalmed somewhere in one of the tombs there. But what you would never find, he would never play a part like we learned a few weeks ago. In the agenda of God for the time. And that is what the Christian understands. I am not just existing. I am a child of God. I am born of God. He has included me in his eternal plan. Praise the Lord. And to fulfill this plan is not my similarity with the world. 
that will help me. It is my distinctiveness. It is my separation. The grace of the Lord will abound towards us in Jesus' name. So origin is important. Birth is important. That's why we, everybody who is a Christian who makes this journey and makes it successfully must be born again. And if you're watching, you're listening, and you don't have that experience of the new birth, you have to have it. Because you must start it the way it is started. You must be born into it. Just like there is no human being that you see on earth who was not born. You may not know when you were born. You may not know who born you. you know, but you were born. Praise the Lord. And that is important for the Christian. Unless he is born. Because that birth is what gives him a beginning. And that beginning is what sets his mind into the identity that is necessary. For what he's going to do on this journey. Let me show you another important scripture that you know, I think we've looked at here before. In Psalm 2 verse 7. In Psalm 2 verse 7. The psalm is speaking, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he says. He says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me what? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now the same statement is repeated in Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 5. Talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 5. Let's go there now. In Hebrews 1, 5, the same thing he says, he says, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have what? Begotten you. And then he says, and again, I'll be to him a father and he will be to me a son. Brethren, people of God, do you know that this is the conclusion of our Christian journey? When we get to the place where God is father and we know here we are son, that is it. What is his intention? Why did he create the world? That word, let us make man what? In our image, according to our likeness. And he made man, and man fell. What did he do? He sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to come into this world, to live and to work, so that what? He would, by his life and death and resurrection, will bring what? Many sons back to him. That's what he's looking for. So the entire goal of everything God is doing is to bring sons back to himself. So when you and I attain that place where you know God is your father and you know you are his son, finito. You have graduated. Praise the Lord. You have become a billionaire, if that's what we want to call it. You have become successful where you attain. And that is why it says, to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? And that is why if you come down to Matthew chapter 3, Verse 17, Matthew 3, 17. When Jesus had lived his life without any miracle, without anything, you know, spectacular, and come to a point where, you know, uh, uh, John the Baptist had finished baptizing, this is what heaven said to him. It says, and suddenly a voice from heaven came saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He's saying, concluded, you have attained. What does the Bible tell us in Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians 3, uh, I think it's from 11, 14, going down. He's still talking about the same process of bringing us to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the fullness of the stature of Christ. This is what he's saying, that God wants to bring us to where he can look at us and say what? You are my son. You are like Jesus. You are this. This is who you are. Let's see Ephesians 4.13. Ephesians 4.13. It says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To what? 
So what is God's work in you? To bring you to what? A perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All the work, all the preaching, everything we're doing is to get you to a point where heaven will look over you and say, you are my son. Praise the Lord. And do you know the beautiful thing? In essence, he has said that. He has said that. In essence. He has said that by faith. You know God has faith in you. You know God has faith in me. You know God has faith in us. He has faith in us. He has said that in essence. From when he began the work, he says, you are my son. He says to them he gave what? The right or the power to what? To be called sons of God. He has begun that already. However, now what begins to happen is, is very important. Is that when that confirmation is given to us by faith by God. You know what happens? God also being God so that he will not be unjust. So that he will not be a liar. So that he will not be found in any way less than who he is, has to allow that sonship in you to be tested. I'm going to show you a very interesting thing. In Matthew 3.17, let's go back to Matthew 3.17. This is what the Bible says. Heaven, a voice came from heaven saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I don't know whether every other person heard it. I believe a few of them, you know, John must have heard it. You know, Jesus heard it. But this was a declaration from heaven. Now, look at, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, from verse 1. Matthew 4, 1, this is what begins to happen. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, one, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's stop at verse 1 now. So, sonship does not keep me from what? Being tempted. Rather, sonship presents me to say, he's my son. I know what is in him. Praise the Lord. He's my son. Are you a Christian now? Are you being tempted in one area? Being tempted financially? Being tempted emotionally? It's because of who you are. It's because of the boast. Why did they tempt Job? Why was Job giving up for temptation? It's because of the confidence and the boast God made about him. If you understand that, it will make a lot of your temptations easier for you to triumph over. Praise the Lord. God looks at you and says, you can handle that in that office. And he says to the devil, bring it on. That's my daughter. Insult her, she will not respond. That's my son. That's my son. If you like, pull off your pants and your skirt. He will not notice you. Ah, that's my boy. That's my boy. No, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have money yet. He will not take that bribe. That's the way it happens. But you see, if you don't see yourself from the father connection, you see yourself from the survivor connection. You see yourself as a base man. Waiting man go do. I'm under pressure. You don't, you now don't, you see, there's a disconnect. You've forgotten your origin. You have forgotten your identity. Are you with me? So it says he was led by the spirit. It was the spirit that took him there. Talking about Abraham, when God was going to test Abraham, Abraham had, the Bible says God had blessed Abraham in all things, isn't it? He had also received the son and, and, and heaven just said, let's play with this boy. I know him. He will obey me. And then he announced to the angels, watch and see. He says, Abraham, take now your son, your only, uh, your only son whom you love, and go and sacrifice for me. The Bible says, Abraham woke up early the next morning and took. What do you think the angels will be saying? Holy are you, Lord. Wonderful are you, Lord. Perfect in all your ways. They were worshipping him because they could see that what God had said about Abraham was what? Was true. May what God said about you always be found to be true in Jesus' name. Anyway, so the Spirit led him. So contrary to 
what we think. Temptations are not bad for sons. Because you see, if you went to the market and you had, you had, um, you had, uh, what was it? Is it Russian? All these um, costume jewelry. And somebody wanted to scratch it on those things that they used to test. You quickly retrieve it, isn't it? But if you went with 22 karat genuine, you know, uh, English gold, Indian gold. If you go there, tell them, bring the acid you have. In fact, don't only bring acid, bring an explosive. You know why? Because you know the quality of the gold you brought. You will cross your leg and watch them scratch and scratch. Because you know that after it is tested, it will be what? It will be found as gold. That is what it is. Praise the Lord. So that is what verse 1 says to us. Jesus was led up by the Spirit. The devil didn't ambush him. And he's not ambushing you as well. And then when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, verse 3, let's read verse 3 together. When the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, what? Command that these stones become bread. If you are, what is the temptation? The temptation is to check your identity. Do you know who you are? And if you don't know, every day you spend life proving, trying to prove, trying to establish. Like someone, you know, people say, Lord, if you really love me, do this for me. Never pray that kind of prayer. Like we've learned here. God has demonstrated his love towards you. That while you were yet sinners, what happened? He gave his son Jesus to, to die for you. He has settled the issue of whether he loves you or not. So this is what the enemy always tempts. He tempts what is valuable. Temptation from the side of the enemy. God's front side releases us to confirm what they have said to us. But temptation from the side of the enemy is to steal what God has given to us. So when he came to Adam and Eve at the garden, what did he want? He wanted to steal dominion over the earth. That's what he came for. And how did he do it? He put to them a submission that they were not who God said they were. Remember, God made them what? In his image, in his likeness. And what did he say to them? If you eat this fruit, you will be like what you are already. And because they were not sure of what you're learning today, they thought it's possible that if we obeyed Satan and disobeyed God, we will what? We will get to somewhere. That is what he said to Jesus. He said to Jesus, if you are, that's where he missed it. If you are the son of God, which means there's a possibility you are not. And you need to prove to him, Satan, I wanted to say to me, to him, Satan, that you are the son of God. And Jesus laughed and said, I have nothing to prove to you. I have heard the voice already. It came from heaven. And he said to me what? I am his son and I'm his beloved son. So Satan, get out. Is somebody getting it? That is what the temptation, it might come in different guises. But that is essentially what it is. It's coming to check, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? And he will always tempt, like we said, exams are set on syllables. He will always tempt what God has confirmed to you. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Satan comes and says, uh, you're born again. Look at how you're suffering. Is there anywhere in the Bible where they say born again? Doesn't the Bible make us to understand that these light afflictions are working for us a far heavier weight of glory? Does being born again completely eliminate suffering? The only thing he says is that when we suffer now, what is going to happen? 
we are going to get what? Repaid to a greater measure. So our suffering is never waste. I was telling my wife the other day, you know, I was doing my little exercise that I do. And I was feeling very, you know, I was feeling aches and all kinds of things. And then I just remember these people that you're watching them, that are playing tennis. And I said, this person is not playing well. If you trained one-tenth of what they train, you won't be able to speak English. You'll be using sign language. <laughs> you know, do you understand? Satan came and said to him, if you are the son of God, trying to put Jesus in a place where he would prove to Satan that he's the son of God. But Jesus did not answer him. He said to him, no, it doesn't work that way. Man does not what? Live by bread alone, but by every word. In other words, I'm the son of God, but in essence, you're also telling another lie. I would not engage you on that level. And that is what, if Christians understood today, the devil will be in trouble in our generation. Where you have nothing to prove, sir. You have nothing to prove. You are the daughter of Zion. It's not when I marry and have three kids that I become a daughter of Zion. Prostitutes are marrying. There are men that have gone to prostitutes and took them home and said to their family, they are marrying that one. Has that made the, you know, distinguish that person? No. Like we learned, I think last week, fools are becoming prosperous. Leaders of nations, any person, whether you have primary school certificate or not, can become a president. Those things don't confirm you. They don't prove anything. The Bible says the spirit bears witness with your spirit, with our spirit, that we are, that we are children of God. That's where the Christian is, and that is what we contend for. So when you walk around, I mean, it's okay to prosper. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to excel in your office. It's okay to do all of that, especially as a witness to Christ. But more than that, that is not what confirms you. So that when temptation comes, do you know what they said to Daniel? They issued a decree. If anybody prays to any other God for the space of 30 days, he's going to be thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel was a big man. You see, that's why the Bible says it's going to be difficult for what? Those who have riches to enter the kingdom. Because the fall is going to be high. Daniel was a very big man, very influential man. He was one of the most senior in the kingdom. So if he thought of what he would have lost, he probably would have prayed in the spirit for 30 days. But the Bible said this boy or this man, he was, in a bit, I believe, elderly then. This man went up as his custom was. Opened the window as his custom was. And knelt down and prayed as his, why? He did not consider it anything at all to have to suffer for who he is. Why? Because it's who you are. It's who you are. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, I've been a Christian uh, 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 in the office. No, I won't have friends in school. Don't have friends. It's who you are. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's who you are. And where you are, the passage we read on Sunday in Acts chapter 2. It's important I don't miss it. In Acts chapter 2 verse um, 38, where Peter answered them and said, this is what you're going to do. Repent. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. He puts a word there. He put a statement there that we can't deal with in this meeting. He says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. He says, and you shall what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody here say, thank you, Jesus, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is what you have. That is what I have. That is what we have. That the world can never touch. 
Let me give you a desire that you should pray to God for. Lord, help me to mine the treasure of having the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me mine it. Let me swim in it. You know why? We mentioned here, I think on Sunday as well. First of all, Matthew 7 to 11. Where Jesus was teaching us on prayer. In Matthew 7, 11. He says, if you are fathers, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your world? Father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. That is Matthew 7, 11. Now in Luke eleven thirteen, see the same scripture. See what the Bible says to us. Luke eleven thirteen. thank you. What does it say? Let's read together. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father do what? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So we see that good things were what? Used interchangeably what? With the Holy Spirit. Now, let's do this now. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1 says, let's put Genesis 1.1 on screen. In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. Now, look at verse 2. Verse 2, let's read verse 2 together. And the earth was what? Without form and void. And darkness was what? On the face of the deep. The last part says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Everywhere the Spirit of God is, good things can come out. Beautiful things can come out. That's why Peter said, when you do this, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that any situation you're found in, with the Holy Spirit in you, it can become beautiful. Today I was reading the passage where Paul, Paul and Silas were put in prison. And before they were put in prison, they had been beaten, you know, and then they were laid in stocks. They were not just put in prison. You know, stocks meant they were locked to the ground and all of that. I don't know what it could have been that by midnight, they were not crying. Praise the Lord. They were not lamenting. What were they doing? They were praying and singing praises. And what happened? An earthquake took place. You know, everybody was set free. And then I want you to see what the Holy Ghost does. And then the prison doors were thrown open. And then the jailer, the keeper of the prison, was about to commit suicide. And these two men came out and said to him, hold on, don't kill yourself. You see, tonight I want you to get who the Christian is. If you are put in prison and the door opens, what's the first thing on your mind? You're getting it now. That's the first thing on your mind. Especially when you were put unjustly. They didn't commit any crime. The first thing on your mind is to run. Is to show you how kingly. Is to show you how godly the Christian is. So when you hear this escape, destroy, fall and die. You know, all this type of thing. You know that they have not entered into sonship. Because in that prison, Paul and Silas were kings. So when the doors were open and this man was going to commit suicide. As kings, they came and said, don't kill yourself. And for his sake, they did not escape. It meant that these men who brought earthquake went back and were locked in. They went back and were locked back in. And to show us that God is awesome. Part of that, the main thing I wanted to teach tonight, I haven't even touched it. That God is awesome was that the next morning, the people who locked them up sent message, let them go. To show you that you can never be godly and suffer unnecessarily. They were not kept for the next two weeks. What difference would he have made if they left, the jailer killed himself? And then in the morning, they sent message to release them and they had escaped. The testimony of the gospel would have been brought down.
But they stayed. The jailer didn't kill himself. He got born again. He and his family. And then in the morning, they sent for them. And they walked out majestically in spite of the earthquake. Somebody said, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I look like my father. I have the spirit of God within me. So these are the things that when we as believers begin to try to copy the world, we miss these things. We miss these things. So Jesus, Jesus showed us. He said, I am a child of God. I'm the son of God. And Satan, I don't negotiate. I don't prove it. I don't, I don't deal with you. I don't. I don't. I don't have to have what my neighbor has. I have what created the heavens and the earth. That is who you have. I mean, brothers and sisters, you know, do we think at times? Do we think? Let me tell you the way I think sometimes. When people make noise, you know, I, I mean, I'm neither for nor on the side of whether, you know, pastors buy jets. If sinners buy jets, there's nothing wrong with, you know, Christians buying jets, but that's not the issue. But what's the big noise about jets? Somebody owns the company that makes jets. There are people that are rolling it out, maybe 10 in one year, maybe 13 in one year. Somebody buys Rolls Royce. What is the big deal? Someone owns the company. Apart from someone owning the company, there are people who even own nations. What is the big deal about all of that? But you see, I'm not measured by them. I have the Holy Ghost. There's a song that says, Do you have the Holy Ghost? Do you have the Son of God? In Him I live, in Him I move, in Him I have my... You see, these are the things the Christian should be walking about. But if every time you leave church, they're telling you, you will buy a car, you will build a house, then when you're walking around the world, You'll be walking with your head like this because you haven't bought a car. And if you did buy a car, your neighbor bought a bigger one. So God has not confirmed himself. But your testimony is the Holy Ghost. And there's the Holy Ghost in you that people should see and want to say, take us to your God. And that is your difference. There's nothing wrong with all those things. That's what I'm saying. Please get me. There's not, but you have, he said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you will receive the gift, not you will marry. I have anointing for marriages. What nonsense. I have anointing. What, what, meaning what? From where to where? What is that about? We advertise. Come to my church. I have anointing for pregnancy. I have a, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Dogs are getting pregnant. I have cats in my head. I forgot to tell Those cats, the, the way they're, they're getting pregnant, I don't know whether they're competing. They're just having... Meanwhile, rats are still there. I don't know whether they have you know, signed a peace pact with rats. <laughs> you know, when my wife complains, I say, at least where there are cats, there are no rats. Which one do you prefer? I prefer cats. But I see cats, I see rats. You know? I think they've agreed that everybody will mind their business. Cats eat lizards, we will eat the... <laughs> You know, and that's why, you know, get me right. That's why those places, people will flock there. They are not disturbing the devil. They are not disturbing the devil. If I declare that everybody that comes for this program will buy a, buy a piece of land. And then, and then, how does that disturb the devil? How does that advance the kingdom? How does that make somebody lie on his bed and say there's something beyond this world? It is the Holy Ghost. He said, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Receive the one who hovered upon that which was without form and void. I mean, someone sang a song. Well, you say, what a beautiful word the person sang. As fallen as our world is, it's beautiful. Have you seen the stars in the night? Have you seen the flowers? 
The Holy Ghost brought all of that out of nothing. And you have him. Can you be wanting? The song sang, I say, you leave me wanting for nothing. You want for nothing. You have the spirit of God. But the challenge is this. You have been born again. You have been brought into this kingdom. But your eyes are looking over the world to the kingdoms of this world. And that's why the Bible says to us, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. For if anyone would, Love the world. What? The love of the Father is not in him. Now, get me very right, very important, because someone might be getting very angry with me. As I'm saying this, the Bible says, use this word. You see, the word of God is so beautiful. Use it. Don't love it. If I'm using something, do you come to my house and you ask me for a drink, and I'm giving you hot, dry, uh, uh, what was this? Uh, uh, the picture just came to my mind now. There's this uh, uh, Coca-Cola drink. Is it? No, it's not ginger ale. The other one that is reddish, that is um, a bit reddish in color. It's not ginger ale. There is, eh? No, you're modern. I'm talking of, you know, in the 80s. I'm just, tonic. Uh, quinine, quinine. You know quinine tonic. It's quinine tonic. Uh-huh. I'm giving you quinine tonic. And then I'm posing for you that the opener I'm using to open it is gold plated. Really impress you. Wouldn't you rather I give you nice, solid, you know, fruit wine? And even if I use a China opener to open it, what matters to you is what? The drink you get, not the two. So it's the same way as Christians in this world, we will use the things of this world, but we don't boast about them. We don't boast, we don't make, we don't advertise them. They are tools. So the jets are tools, the cars are tools, our marriages are tools, our children are tools, our prosperity are tools. My excelling in office is a tool, it's to an end. If Moses did not excel in Egypt, probably they would not have respected him. Probably the moment he came, Pharaoh would have slapped him and locked him up. Because that Pharaoh must have been a contemporary to him. So he must have had some respect for Pharaoh. So we use all of that, but we don't now submit to their system. We use that to raise the standard. Is someone getting what I'm saying? So, I mean, we take the things of this world. We conquer it. We hold on to it. And then we show them like Paul the Apostle. He says, I count all things what? As dung. But when we take it and count it and lift it up. I come and I'm sharing testimony with you. I say I'm the richest pastor. I'm the tallest pastor. I'm the pastor with 17 packs. I was telling my wife the other day, the packs are coming out. I've seen one. It remains five. <laughs> You know, and you're boasting about others, and what are you saying? Paul says, I count them as what? Dung. When we boast about them, we move the gaze of the Christians into what is not their calling. And when their gaze turns there, they lose their joy. And when they lose their joy, the enemy can now tempt them. The enemy can now offer them things that will take them aside. And because they want that thing, they will go in that direction. But when they come to know who they are and come to understand that they are complete in him, complete in him, praise the Lord, complete in him, you know, totally Holy Ghost filled, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? And you have the Holy Spirit. I hope everybody here can pray the Holy Ghost. You pray the Holy Ghost. That's why I said you mind, because sometimes somebody is saying, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Pastor, I need a car. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, when you pray in the Spirit, 
God may provide you the car miraculously. God might give you a job to do and get the car. God might also give you a revelation that while you're entering that kekena pep, you will have the joy of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? This essence is a simple and short, brothers and sisters, is that you are different. You know what one of the things we have missed, you know, in our time is, okay, let me say this way. One of the things that courts, you know, courts and people like the military, you know, and all of that. One of the things they used to get strong loyalty and dedication for their members is the people are told from the get-go, you are different. So the moment you join a court, they give you a name, a different name. Yeah? If you came in now before, maybe your name was Bosco. When you come in, they say your name is now Jakakakakosokokokoko. Have done. <laughs> you know, they will give you a name that when they call you that name, your head will be doing like this. If you see your mother, you're ready to kill your mother. You see, what they've done is that they reconfigured you completely. It's the same thing when people join the military. That's why if, if, if they hear the word civilian, civilian is who they are. Do you understand? But to help them endure the sufferings of the training, we now become bloody. So once they look at you bloody, they know that they should not dodge punishment like you. So when their commander disciplines them, they remember they are not bloody. They are no longer bloody civilians, so they surrender. When there is a call to serve, they remember they are no longer what bloody civilians. So, so when they see any bloody civilian, all that their frustration they could not carry out before. Is on the head of the bloody civilian. Why? They've understood the identity. If Christians can understand the identity, I know that I'm a child of God. I have the royal blood running in me. I will rather die than displease my father. Sin is not tolerated in this kingdom. When you get that understanding, when new Christians understand it, we won't be doing all these things that we're doing. You're not a Christian. I've told you here that, you know, I read up that they said, you know, in those days, that in a contract or in, a, in an agreement, in a business deal, that the fact that somebody says, I am a Roman is guaranteed. I am a Roman means that he's expected to maintain some level of integrity. I'm a Roman. That means if I'm giving you this thing, you say, but what receives I'm a Roman? It means you can go home. Can we say that about Christians now? That's what, that's what we should understand. So I am a Christian means no room for compromise. No room for negotiation. I am different. And as we journey, what that does is that it brings, it gives us this perfect perspective to all the things that are being said. So when Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, we understand I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. In cases of natural disasters where there is a flood or things like that, what happens in a community? The civilians move out. What happens? The military go in. Isn't it? They understand that I'm no longer like you. So whereas you're running away from this, by reason of my calling, I'm going there to solve the problem. That's what it is. So you see things differently. You don't have to be pushed. You don't have to, they say pray, they say stand, they say believe God. You know that this is now who you are. Let's rise on our feet. Father, help us. Father, help us. There's a scripture I just want us to, to look at. And take our prayer from there as we round up. Hosea chapter 7 verse 8. Hosea. Hosea 7 verse 8. It says, Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. 
Ephraim is a cake unturned. Give me the living Bible. The living Bible. It says, my people mingle with the hidden, picking up their evil ways. Thus they become what? As good for nothing. As a half-baked cake. That is what has happened. We don't teach our people, you are completely different. I told my children when they were much younger, I said, in as much as I want you to come first in class, I want you to have the testimony that you're a Christian. It's not your coming first in class that is paramount. That's why today in Nigeria, parents will pay for their children to cheat. And then they're praying. It's better you fail and fail very well. And you fail as a Christian with a testimony. Than that you pass. I mean, it says, my people mingle with the hidden, picking up their evil. It says, also, they have become as good for nothing. Let's see the next verse. Verse 9. It says, worshipping foreign gods has what? Sapped their strength. Our attempt to fit in has emptied us of power. Most churches recognize celebrities of the world. Why will you give them honor in the house of God? For what? That's why one of them said he stopped going to church because every time he goes to church, the pastor will acknowledge him. I say, you see yourself. And this celebrity is not proper celebrity. It's Nollywood, which I can become a producer now and make, and make Pastor Nat now to be like, a, uh, what was his name now? Uh, <laughs> what's the Kung Fu master now? You know your head looks like one Jaffa. Do you understand? It says worshiping foreign has served their strength. Our attempt to be to be side by side with them, it has emptied us. We have lost power. So everybody will rise up and tell the church. You know, I look at social media. They're telling the church this. That why wouldn't they tell us when every time we're trying to appease them, we're trying to attract them, we're t- trying to you know get their followership. They did COVID relief. Churches were struggling to support government. Government that is stealing the one they have. What are you giving them anything for? I was just laughing. I said, they do. They do, they do. Some were donated. What have they done with the one they have? Up to now, haven't you heard that they're spending how many millions per, per COVID case? You know it, but because the church has not found identity of its own, satisfaction of its own, power of its own, his own office, you stay where you are. He says you have mixed yourself with hidden, picking up, and you are losing strength. I want you to pray for yourself in your office, in your home, in your environment, and pray for the church. Lord, help us, O Lord. Take us back. Let us be separate. Our strength is in our separation. It's in our distinction. We use this word, but we don't try to join with them. We don't try to mingle with them. We don't try to be identified with them. We don't want them. You don't need to celebrate me. You don't need to. My eyes are set on above. I'm looking to hear my father saying, that's my son. And as long as I'm hearing that from him, I'm okay. I don't need to present statistics. You know, they come and interview the biggest, the largest, the fastest growing, the this and that and all of that. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. Lord, help us. Help us. Help us. Let us be separate. Withdraw me, O Lord. Severe, O Lord, my heart and my attraction for the approval and the measurement of the world. Separate me. Trending. I don't need to trend. Every time I've been telling you, when you put a quote or anything, you don't need to put my name. Why should I be known? Did I say anything? If the Holy Ghost doesn't say it, can it be said? The Holy Ghost is the author. I want you to pray, Lord, I want to be separate. 
I want to be separate. And some of these things may not even be external. It may just be an attitude where you wake up. I've told you how, you know, how I've progressed over time. You know, you just wake up and you know that one with God is enough. One with God is enough. I don't need my friends to say you are doing. I, I don't. I just need to hear God saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And that settles it for me. That settles it for me. He loves me. That's more than enough. When we say your love is more, better than wine, that's what he's saying. Lord, I receive, oh Lord, the grace to be separate, to be distinct. I celebrate my difference. Just like Moses, I esteem whatever you call me to. I esteem your calling, your hand upon my life. Greater riches, the privilege to serve you. The privilege to honor you, to privilege to be your servant, to be called a born again Christian. Some people are not proud of their salvation. In certain environments, they keep quiet, you won't know they're born again. But they are, the Bible says Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches. Whether it's a board meeting, whether I'm sitting in first class or business class, proclaim your faith. Jesus is Lord. And it's a privilege to be called his own. Father, we thank you. Send us a revival, Lord. Send us a revival. Let there be a revival of sonship. Let our children know they are children of the Most High. Let them go to school and tell their friends, I am from above. I'm not from beneath. I can't do those things that you do. I can't watch the things that you watch. I can't play the games that you play. I can't cheat like you cheat. I can't lie like you lie. I can't watch the things that you watch. And I'm not being deprived. I'm being holy. That's what the word holy means. I'm being set apart. That's what it is. I'm being sanctified. The word holy means kept for special use. I'm a child of God. There's a special use God has for my body. There's a special use God has for my eyes. There's a special use. That's why I'm keeping myself. I'm not judging you. You are on your lane and I'm on my lane. I am a child of the king. Ephraim has mixed himself with idols. Can you put message, the same two scriptures for us, please? Put message for us as we try to round up. It says, Ephraim mingles with pagans, dissipating himself. I want you to see the point there. The moment you try to blend in, you lose. Strangers suck him dry, but he doesn't even notice. That's what all that attempt is. But tonight we are getting a different mindset. We are getting a different mindset. We are the city that is set upon a hill. We are his light shining in this dark world. We are his salt seasoning in a decaying world. We are not in competition with the world. I'm not saying here, leave you in glory and poverty, but let it not move you. The apostle Paul says, I've learned in all states to abound and to abase, whether in plenty or less. It doesn't matter. You are carrying the Holy Ghost. And if he pleases the Holy Ghost, he can put you into such treasures or, or bring such treasures that you can't count. But he's enough for you. Jesus sent his disciples twice. In one instance, he sent them without nothing. To prove to them that you need nothing. Then in another instance, he sent them with something. To prove to them that having something is not a problem. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Lord, 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 we thank you. I'm a Christian. I am different. I'm from above. Make that confession. I'm born again. I have the Holy Ghost in me. 
I have the call of God upon my life. I'm called to reign with Christ. I'm on a journey through this world. This world is not my home. I'm to be a witness for the king here. And I'm to shine as light here. And I'm to be ultimately found at the feet of my master. Lord will give you praise. Blessed be your name, O Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.